This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Monday, March 29th, 2021. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this daily dose of observation, insight, and absurdity. Hoping you had a great weekend and that you can look at Monday by convincing yourself it's your reward for surviving the weekend. If that's the case, what did you do? Whoa. <laughs> it's good to have you along today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being part of the show. Part of the crowd, part of the family. Good to have you along. Whether you are uh, live on the Facebook live stream, which <laughs> honestly, uh, I looked up a moment ago. I'm, 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 I'm copying and pasting information over to uh, linkreport.us for the information on the stories for the day. And uh, <laughs> I look at the clock and, ah, it's time. And <laughs> I realize I, I fade up this 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 fader on the uh, on the mixer where the pre-show music rolls and it's already going i look at and it's just like wait i'm i'm what i'm i'm 30 seconds away <sighs> you just got away from me i'm having one of those i'm not whining here i'm just informing you i'm having one of those sinus days where i honestly i had i had an argument with myself self you are going to go do the podcast today because i really i really just to be honest with you i don't feel like being here and I need that T-shirt. I'm sorry I'm late. I didn't want to come. So <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of Monday I'm having. So eh, we'll get through it together somehow. It's, um, it's the 29th day of March, almost the end of March. April is upon us. Easter is this coming weekend. Um, we have uh, there's so much stuff happening. And there's plenty of weirdness to talk about as far as as life in the United States is concerned. I mean, when you think about what we have leading the country, holy cow, it's, it's amazing that life is not any weirder than it already is. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just strange. And you, you know what gets me is that it is the number of political pundits, the, these people who are supposed to be so smart and know everything about what's happening, who don't see the patterns that are playing out. And that is something that I think happens when you spend all of your time mm, analyzing any topic, I think. Um, You're so close to it, you don't see what's developing. You just keep track. It's like it's like it's like people who uh, who analyze sports. They they get lost in the statistics and they get lost in the um, in the minutia of the game itself and they don't see the bigger picture of what's really happening in a, in a sport overall. And from time to time, someone will come along and they'll say, Hey, um, you need to have a look because, uh, I realize that so-and-so got drafted or so-and-so got traded or this coach is doing this or whatever. But on the whole, this sport's dying or this, or this sport over here is exploding or you see what I mean? They, they're so lost in the, uh, they, they're so deep in the forest, they can't see the trees. And it's good to step away and get some perspective, hence the name of the podcast, the uh, perspective on what's actually happening. Otherwise, uh, you may find yourself totally, completely surprised and shocked by a development. And the last thing we need is for that to happen, which is, which is why I keep focusing on the fact that 
Biden's not running this administration. Joe Biden, if you look at this man, if you see him in, if you watched his appearance before the press, I won't call it a press conference because it was not a press conference. It was, it was a, a show. It was a production. If you watched his appearance before the press the other day, then you understand this is not a guy who's capable of handling the pressures of the job. It's just not happening. And it's, uh, it's obvious that someone else is actually running the show. And if you've also been paying attention and you understand what a colossal lightweight Kamala Harris is, you know it's not her. And if you have been paying attention for any amount of time to the political scene and you understand that Barack Hussein Obama was also a colossal lightweight who had, he, 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 he was just a front man. He had no, he had, he, trust me, he doesn't have the wisdom everybody says he does. He is just another front man. He's doing what he's being told to do. And so it's not him behind the scenes. And those are the things that we keep hearing that you keep seeing. You keep seeing these, these political pundits, these, ooh, these insiders who have the inside track. They're talking about how Kamala Harris is actually already running the Biden administration. That's not true. It, it can't be true. They're saying, well, Obama is actually calling the shots behind the scenes. No, no. He wasn't calling the shots in his own administration. Uh, Susan Rice, really? The liar who tr they trotted out to the talking head shows after Benghazi? She's running the administration? What are you? What are you smoking? It's none of the above. There's the Democrat Party, and they're you know they're they're inside track. They're the ones who are running this administration, and they are pushing hard for a a they're pushing hard for a a current day communism is what they're pushing for, and they won't take anything less. Which is why we're seeing all of these extreme things being pushed and pushed hard, and they know that they have this year, this is all they have. They have until the election, the, the, the election next year. They have until we reshape the face of Congress to get some things done, and hopefully in, in ways that will be almost impossible to overturn. These people, these people are ruthless. They're absolutely ruthless. But it's not Joe Biden that's running the show. Trust me, Amtrak Joe is not running the show. Amtrak Joe is a con artist with a long record of being a con artist and a lot of dirty laundry and a lot of skeletons in his closet. And he got picked because they could control him. And he desperately, desperately wanted to be president. But he's not running the show. And neither are any of the people that the pundits are telling you are running the show. That's not what's going on here. And you may be thinking, well, Mark, you're not one of these guys who's on the network news all the time being consulted. I know. I don't want to be. I would rather not be. I'm just a guy who's been paying attention and seeing the patterns. And that's the thing. It's the patterns. It's, it's seeing how people behave, watching what they do as opposed to what they say, and seeing things repeat, that's a pattern. And we're watching things repeat that happened during the Obama, Obama administration, that happened during his re-election cycle for his second term. We can go back, back that far to his re-election cycle during that campaign, during that uh, election. We saw the same things happening during the Hillary Clinton 
campaign and that election cycle, they were doing the same things. And then Donald Trump won. And the incredible anger, the hatred, the, the, the vitriol, the lies, everything that happened during the Trump administration, we suffered through four years of what the left is really like, watching the way they behaved, the way they treated Brett Kavanaugh, the way they treated Donald Trump. We watched those people pull, back, pull out all the stops and go full-on communist on us in their attempts to destroy people who weren't part of their system. And that was the big thing. But Donald Trump was not part of their system. He was also a billionaire and couldn't be bought. He was also clean and couldn't be blackmailed. And they hated him because they couldn't control him. And they spent four years condemning him in public and convincing people who aren't really paying attention that he was a bad guy. When they're the bad guys, and they were being exposed at every turn. And they hated him for it. And they had to destroy him. We saw that play out. And then we saw this election play out. And we watched as popular sentiment, as the, 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 the opinion of the nation turned away from the Democrats and towards Donald Trump. They turned away from Basement Joe, who was hiding and never held a, a meeting with more than 30 or 40 people, all distance, sometimes in cars, as far away as you could see. And, and, and there was hardly anybody that showed up at his events. And Trump was holding events with thousands of people waiting outside who couldn't get in. We saw the sentiment of America play out, and we watched on election night as he was winning and then got up the next morning to be surprised that suddenly in the middle of the night, Joe Biden had pulled ahead, just like he did against Bernie Sanders in the primaries. Another pattern. So if you watch the patterns and you recognize the patterns playing out, the patterns in the behavior, the patterns in how things turn out in certain sets of circumstances, you begin to recognize, oh, these people are manipulating everything. And the news media just because they're more interested in sensational stories and finding something to hold your attention so they can charge more for their advertising, they're playing along. And unwittingly, if they get their way, the leftists who are in the news media supporting the leftist political administration, they'll be the first ones who suffer as a result of a full-on leftist control of our society. Because if they ever start reporting the truth, they'll start finding out how tough life can be when the leftists run the show. They refuse to look at history and see it honestly. They filter it through their leftism. And one of the things I've told you recently is that leftism sees every person as inherently good. That is, that is deceptive. It's wrong. It's, 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 it's stupid, quite honestly. But this is what they see. So nobody can actually do any wrong because they're all inherently good. So they blame other factors, other things. Which is interesting because many of those other things and those other factors they blame all depend completely and totally on the will of the person involved. White supremacy? Racism? Those things, they're evil. And their evils committed by people. Even though 
The leftists deny that that's a possibility because every person is inherently good. They'll t- they will say they will swear that those people in prison they're in they're not in they shouldn't be held as responsible as you're holding them for what they've done. They're inherently good. They just need to be re- it needs just needs to be revealed to them. So what we do is we take the instruments they use to harm other people away from society, and that'll never happen again. Sorry, that's not the way the real world works. People who are acting out their evil will find other ways to act out their evil if you take their favorite toys away from them. They'll just play with something else. It's just how the human psyche works. Once again, patterns. Patterns repeating. But people who are delusional deny the patterns. And they keep repeating them again and again. And they will declare that all people are inherently good, but then when you disagree with them, somehow you're inherently evil. Now, that's delusional. What do I mean by that? Okay. If you supported Donald Trump, you were a Nazi. Inherently evil. If you deny anything they say is true, then you're a, you're a white supremacist. You're a racist. You are inherently evil. And yet nobody can be. So leftism is schizophrenic. And they point and assign blame to people while denying that people can be inherently evil. It's very strange. It's hard to wrap your head around. It's confusing. But leftists use confusion to their advantage as well. So the people who really are running the show understand... It's all a dog and pony show. It's all a scam. And they use confusion to their advantage. On one hand, they assign blame. On the other hand, they deny blame. And they keep everybody spinning. But if you step back and watch the patterns, you begin to see what they're really up to. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. Hi there. Coming to grips with a Monday, the 29th day of March, 2021. I was just over here looking for my... uh, Where's my video preview screen? What's going on here? And I realized at some point, while I'm shuffling windows in the setup period before I get started here, at some point I managed to slide it off to one side of the screen so now I'm fixing that so I can see everything. Alright, now let's get back to some insanity here, shall we? And I don't mean the first segment. The Biden White House according to Newsmax is planning on vaccine passports. This is something that many of us observing the lunacy of the left have been telling you was coming. We told you a long time ago that at some point, 
at some point that they would require that you have some kind of a government document declaring that you were clean and were were eligible to travel. I've said so here. I've heard it said other places as well. It makes perfect sense when you understand the way these people think and the way they operate and the fact that they want ultimate control over everything and everybody. One of the things that's going to have to happen is you must have papers. You must have papers. Papers, please. The White House is working on a COVID-19 vaccine passport initiative that could be required for travel, sporting events, even just eating out. This is according to the Washington Post. The report comes as major U.S. airlines and nearly 30 travel and labor groups are pushing President Joe Biden to develop a standardized government-backed credential to accelerate safe economic activity and recovery. The groups wrote in a letter to COVID-19 team coordinator Jeff Zients on Monday. Today, the U.S. must be a leader in this development. The current diverse and fragmented digital health credentials used to implement different countries' air travel testing requirements risk causing confusion, reducing compliance, and increasing fraud. Zients and the Department of Health and Human Services are leading the effort, according to sources who spoke with The Post. The White House declined to answer questions about the initiative and instead directed the news outlet, The Post, that is, to um, public statements made by Zients and other officials this month on the topic. Zients said at a March 12th briefing, quote, our role is to help ensure that any solution in this area should be simple, free, open source, accessible to people both digitally and on paper and designed from the start to protect people's privacy. The initiative has presented multiple challenges for the administration, including data privacy issues and healthcare equity. Additionally, at least 17 other initiatives are already underway. The Vaccine Credential Initiative, a collaboration between tech and healthcare companies to develop technology that would store and secure a copy of an individual's vaccination record in a digital wallet on a person's smartphone, is already in the works. Brian Anderson, he's a physician at MITRE, that's a nonprofit company that runs federally funded research centers, is helping lead the initiative. Says the busboy, the janitor, the waiter that works at a restaurant wants to be surrounded by employees that are going back to work safely and wants to have the patrons ideally be safe as well. Creating an environment for those vulnerable populations to get back to work safely and to know that the people coming back to their business are safe and vaccinated would be a great scenario. Some say this is premature. LJ Tan, the CSO at the Immunization Action Coalition, said, I think it's premature to be talking about how we get people these immunization certificates. Our focus should be on getting people vaccinated. Once we get enough people vaccinated, then we can leverage that vaccinated pool for analysis. And th- there's more, but I think you get the grip of this. It's, it's you know, I, I, let's go back up here. Our role is to help ensure that any solution in this area should be simple, free, open source, accessible to people both digitally and on paper and design from the start to protect people's privacy. Why is this acceptable when voter ID is not? Why is it, ex- is it is acceptable? Why? Why is it okay to require everyone to have this on their smartphone or a piece of paper or something? Why, why are we requiring a COVID-19 
ID, a vaccination ID, to prove that you can eat out, that you can go to a ball game, that you can board a plane to go to, to the Bahamas. Why are we requiring this when it's wrong to require, require voter ID to cast a vote? Why? Isn't this oppressive to minorities? After all, you leftists keep telling us that those minorities can't get voter ID. It's hard for them. They don't understand how it works. Isn't this going to be even more confusing? Isn't this going to require more steps? It involves your healthcare system. It involves going to someone to test you to make sure that you don't have the disease before you can have this piece of paperwork issued. To get an ID, all you have to do is, is, is fill out a form, verify you are who you say you are, and bang, you've got an ID. You don't have to go have blood drawn, go through a medical screening, and anything so invasive, and yet it's evil, and this is okay? Hypocritical much? New York should be expected to be this way, and they are. You want to enter a business or attend an event in New York in the near future, you may need to have an application called the Excelsior Pass installed on your smartphone. So says the New York Post. The soon-to-be-developed software application was designed to allow citizens to prove their vaccination status or recent history of a negative COVID-19 test. Those already familiar with Apple's wallet feature, it it, it contains tickets, uh, insurance and bank cards, etc. If you're familiar with that, you're not going to have any trouble with this concept. The Excelsior Pass is like a mobile airline boarding pass. You'll be able to either print it out or, or store it on the smartphone. The pass uses secure, secure QR code technology. You know, those little, those little blocks of squiggles. <laughs> the QR code, quick response code. It's said to always keep an individual's personal data secure and confidential. The pass also uses blockchain technology and encryption to ensure personal health information is stored securely. When the QR code is scanned, it just pops up a green check on the scanner to, mark you, to, to show that you, you do pass, that you qualify. You've had a negative test for a vac- or a vaccination. If not, a big red X appears. I can already see people objecting. Well, that's just racist. Put a big red X on there. That's racist somehow. It, it is racist, you know, because everything, everything is racist. Oh, yeah, it is. Trust me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Once again, a smartphone. Smartphone technology. Isn't this somehow discriminatory? Isn't this somehow racist? Isn't this somehow discriminating against those poor minorities who can't figure out how things work and need the government to help them? Isn't it? No, it's, it's common sense. It makes perfect sense. The digital wallet is something everybody uses. For Pete's sake, you can even, you can even buy cars now and run an app on your phone. You don't even need a key. You can use your smartphone to open your car. You can use your smartphone to start your car. You can use your smartphone to do many things with your automobile if you have the right automobile. But then again, that's also racist because those poor minorities can't afford that kind of smart car, the, the, the smartphones or the cars. But by God, they can vote. Don't ever prevent them from voting. 
and I'm in, and I'm hot on that because well, we've got a story coming up after the next break about that whole situation. Well, let me see. Is that next? No, that's that's coming up very soon after that. But there's even more. Remember, remember when Governor Abbott in Texas decided to lift the statewide mask mandate. Liberal heads exploded everywhere. And Lion Joe, Basement Joe Biden, remember what he called it? He called it Neanderthal thinking. Some said it takes one to know one. But public health experts were aghast. The media had a meltdown. What is he nuts? He's going to kill thousands of people. You saw that all over social media. Those stupid Republicans, those stupid conservatives are going to kill everybody. Yeah. It's the end of the world, man. And sacrifice dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Yep, that's what it was. Not so much. We'll look at that next as the Daily Perspective continues. Perspective Podcast. The Loopy Monday. Didn't have much to report as far as personal life is concerned over the weekend. It was just rainy, thunderstormy. Didn't really do that much. My wife Jane, sweetest woman in the world, worked Saturday, so we were kind of tied up. I thought I had really scored something at the thrift stores over the, on Saturday morning. I found a, an 18-volt battery for my Sawzall. And, woohoo! And I got it home and put it on the charger. It was bad. And I only paid $3 for it, so no biggie. But, and, and if I really, really want to, I know of a place where I can send it and they can just, they'll replace the batteries. But I'm not going to spend 50 bucks on it. And uh, let's see, what else was there? Uh, that really was about it. I did some actual physical work on, did some studio work on um, on the Dawson Now studio Saturday, um, just changing out some equipment that was showing its age. And then, uh, and it's, it's my equipment, it's stuff in my rack that I took up there to help process microphones. And some of it was just starting to get noisy, so I replaced it. And that was really about it. Not much of a, not much of a weekend. It just really wasn't. I, I spent a lot, a lot of time sitting right here with my eyes glued to this big screen in front of me, um, working on web pages and uh, for the project I've been hinting about and can't tell you about just yet. And um, I just, uh, I just got a report um, on that particular product and uh, over the past week, it, it amazes me that even though you have to have a specific web address to see what I've been working on, and it's not accessible unless you know how to get there. Over a hundred people did in the past week. It just blow. I just don't understand how, unless one of the one of the partner agencies we're working with has publicized what we're working on, and I don't know about it. Anyway, we'll see. 
Uh, more on that as it develops. More. Well, Neanderthal thinking. That is what Joe Biden, sleazy, lying Joe Biden, called Governor Greg Abbott's opening the state of Texas back up just a couple of weeks ago. A Washington Post reporter reacted to Abbott's decision by sharing an article from last September that a mass casualty event was happening every day in Texas. Another journalist called Abbott and people who agree with him wingnuts. And a liberal website declared that Abbott showed that there is no limit how far Republicans will go to kill people by lifting Texas's mask mandate. But Abbott's order, which went into effect on March 10th, that's uh, 19 days ago, not even three weeks, also gave businesses the option of going 100% capacity. It hasn't stopped the downward trajectory of positive coronavirus tests. Fewer people are getting sick after Abbott gave Texas citizens the option of wearing a mask or not. Businesses also had the option of maintaining a mask requirement. Lifting the mandate did not mean that Abbott was saying people could not or should not wear a mask. Although that is how it gets interpreted and presented to people to frighten them. That's the way the governor's political enemies portrayed the order. It turns out the naysayers look pretty foolish at this point. Despite the outrage, the Texas Department of State Health Services reported Thursday that new coronavirus cases have declined since the mask mandate was lifted. The New York Times Daily Tracker shows Texas daily coronavirus cases are down 28% from two weeks ago. Fox News contributor Guy Benson shared a variety of headlines from news organizations sounding the alarm on March 2nd. Newsweek focused on Texas Democrat Beto O'Rourke calling the decision a death warrant for Texans. Once again, Beto's wrong. He's always wrong. A local ABC affiliate declared model projections for Texas show worst-case scenario without mask mandate. CNN editor-at-large Chris Saliza, hmm, sleazy, Saliza, never mind, wrote about Abbott's head-scratching anti-science decision. Isn't it interesting that it's always anti-science if it disagrees with the narrative, even if the narrative is anti-science? And another headline declared Abbott's decision could result in another coronavirus surge. Why does it surprise anyone that when using their own judgment, people can take care of themselves and their families? What is it about freedom of choice that these people hate so much? Oh, well, they're just too stupid to have freedom of choice. They can't take care of themselves. They need the government and science. They need Dr. Fauci, who is the embodiment of government and science, to tell them what to think and what to do because they're just too dumb to manage their, them on their own. While Texas is by no means out of the, out of the woods, it, it would, surprise, would it surprise you if the number of positive tests starts going back up? More people will wear masks. People are smart like that. You see, when left to their own devices, you just tell people the truth. They can take care of themselves. It happens every flu season, every cold season. People take precautions. They keep their distance. They buy the extra large can of Lysol for the office. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I used to work in a place where anytime somebody showed signs, they, listen, I, I, just, I thought I could do this, but I need to go home. 
I mean, oh, bless your heart. Go home. You've got sick days. Go ahead. Go home. Uh, if you feel up to it, you can you can log in from home and work from there. If not, don't. Don't worry about it. Get better. Come back when you're better. All right. God bless you. We love you. Let us know if you need anything. And the door shuts. Boom, and the Lysol comes out. <laughs> just, everybody's choking on the smell of Lysol. It's so thick in the air, people are going out in the hall. But they've sanitized the place. I've, you've probably worked there, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yikes. Is anybody going to apologize for getting hysterical about lifting the mask mandate in Texas? Are they? White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the entire country has paid the price for political leaders who ignore the science. Actor Matthew McConaughey even spoke out about his, about his home state. On CBS This Morning, he said, I was a little dumbfounded by the decision. I understand go back to work. What I did not understand was pull the mask mandate. Governor Gavin Newsom in California called the move absolutely reckless. Like he's got room to talk. He's destroyed the state, destroyed business in the state, destroyed livelihoods. Destro- he, he, he has been absolutely reckless in what he has done to California under the excuse of protecting the people from COVID. Yikes. Twitter has flooded, been flooded with hot takes from people who called Abbott's decision everything from crazy to embarrassing. Back to Matthew McConaughey. I don't know if you know this, but I have the exact same medical degree Matthew McConaughey has, which is none. You can detect a pattern here. We're back to patterns again. The less these experts trust ordinary people with a little freedom, the worse their predictions are. Have you noticed? That's the pattern. Those who believe you're too stupid to manage life on your own believe you're going to die because of this. Of course, all these doom and gloom forecasts, they'll all be, a, they'll be smoke in the wind, forgotten in time. The idiots will never be called to account for their ignorance. And when the next issue comes along where people don't follow the science, we'll have to endure the same nonsense from the same sources. They were wrong. They've been wrong all the time, all the way, the entire journey, the entire year we've been wading through all of this toxic mess. They've been wrong again and again and again. They've been wrong. And in the places where people have been told the truth and trusted to take care of themselves and their families and the people around them, they've been fine. South Dakota, for example, they've been fine. You tell people the truth, you tell them here are your options, and then you do not legally mandate that they comply. They're fine. People are smart enough. They understand. As I said, every flu season, the cold and flu season, everybody just knows. Somebody's sick, you you don't shake hands with them. You you keep your distance. You You don't ostracize them or accuse them of being super spreaders. You just say, oh, bless your heart. I'm sorry you're feeling bad. No, I don't, I don't think I'll shake your hand. I think you understand. Sure you do. And you move on with life because that's normal. The fear that's been used as a club during COVID-19, that hasn't been normal. It's been detrimental. It's cost us a lot of money, a lot of jobs, and lives. In Florida, 
Florida saw $3.2 billion in losses after the first six months of the pandemic in one industry alone. And it's not Disney. It's the cruise industry. Florida Republican Ron DeSantis threatened to launch a lawsuit against the federal government Friday unless the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention lift the no-sale coronavirus order by this summer. March 14th marked a year since all cruise lines were forced to dock following the outbreak of the coronavirus, a move that has reportedly cost Florida $3.2 billion in the first six months of the pandemic, along with 49,500 jobs and $2.3 billion in wages. The CDC has ordered all cruise lines to remain docked through November of 2021, but DeSantis pushed back on this mandate, calling it baseless. He says, the cruise industry is essential to our state's economy, and keeping it shut down until November would be devastating to the men and women who rely on the cruise lines to provide for themselves and their families. He said this during a roundtable on Friday. He goes on to say, I urge the CDC to immediately rescind this baseless no-sale order to allow Floridians in this industry to get back to work. Other Florida officials took, a, uh, took issue with the fact that not tourism industries have been curtailed by a federal directive in the same way. They haven't been. The state's Attorney General Ashley Moody condemned the CDC order that heavily affects the Sunshine State, calling it federal overreach. She said, the federal government is acting outside its authority in singling out and docking the cruise industry while other tourism-based businesses continue to operate in accordance with health guidelines. The Florida Roundtable came just days after the CDC announced they wouldn't lift the, the no-sale order, despite a request from the Cruise Lines International Association last Wednesday. The CLIA, the Cruise Line International Association, has taken to Twitter to urge Americans to appeal to their congressmen to help lift the no-sale order given the increasing number of vaccines administered nationwide. Quote, cruising is resumed with effective health protocols in more than 10 markets across the world. We can do it in the U.S. too. Tell Congress to urge the CDC to allow for the responsible resumption of cruising in the United States. I have friends who have cruises booked for August. I don't know how they managed to do that, but they did. I'm thinking about booking one for September if I can. We'll see. This is just one more example of how government does everything wrong. into the final segment for this Monday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. I really do. And I really do appreciate the fact that you're listening. Thank you so much. Wherever and whenever that may be. Uh, apparently, I need to work on my brother in Alaska. We were messaging back over the weekend. And uh, he has a, a story to tell about the healthcare system, about the affordable health care stuff. And I uh, told me be glad to tell it. And I haven't gotten back to him yet. But he says, hey, do you still do talk stuff? And he has no idea what I'm doing. So <laughs> I'll rectify that and possibly bring you his story sometime in the near future. It is the Monday edition of the Daily Perspective podcast for the 29th day of March 2021. Kicking off a week 
sort of a housekeeping note here. I won't be here tomorrow. Um, I have uh, a conflict in the morning. I have uh, two sessions starting at 10 a.m. And um, uh, it doesn't give me time to get everything done. I need to get done here. So I'll be out of pocket tomorrow. Um, and uh, let's see. I think that's it. That's the only thing happening this week. Um, of course, if I were smart, I'd pull my calendar up and actually see. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the only thing that's going to interfere this week. I do have something happening a couple of days later in on Thursday, but that's in the afternoon. And, uh, so we're good. All right. So that's, that's it. But, but tomorrow morning, it's just, it's too close. I have to be there like an hour ahead of time and that's right the time I finished this. So, eh, well, there we have it. So I won't be here tomorrow, but I'll be back on Wednesday and the rest of the week is, is, uh, pedal to the middle. Georgia governor, Bryant Kemp. He's rejecting sleazy Joe Biden's characterization of a newly enacted law that seeks to improve the integrity of elections in the Peach State. And you've been hearing about this. Leftist, your, your leftist liberal friends on social media are, are talking about how racist this law is. And, and you've got to remember, it's because everything, everything, and I mean everything. Everything is racist. Yep, everything is racist because I because what are you going to do? I mean, these people have have got the world convinced that that racism is behind everything, and there's nothing of the sort. If you actually understand what's happened in Georgia, you understand they're fighting for election integrity, and the left is portraying this as depriving people of the vote. That's their big thing is is vote suppression. They're suppressing the vote. They're not allowing people to vote. It's a, it's racist. They're requiring people to have IDs. The same people they will require to have a COVID ID in order to travel, they insist don't need an ID in order to vote. Let's see. Going to Cancun in one hand, determining who the president of the United States is in the other. Which one is of more lasting consequence. Mm. Well, Georgia Governor Brian Camp is rejecting sleazy Joe Biden's characterization and all of the lies being told about what's happening in Georgia. Quote, it's obvious that neither President Biden nor his handlers have actually read SB 202, which I signed into law yesterday. This bill expands voting access, streamlines vote counting procedures, and ensures election integrity. The 95-page law adds a slew of changes to the way Georgians vote, including requiring photo or state-approved identification to vote absentee by mail. The law also mandates that secure drop boxes be placed inside early voting locations with constant surveillance, and it expands early voting across the state. The law also shortens the election cycle to four weeks, down from nine, and requires a minimum of one week of early voting before Election Day. People who wish to vote absentee are faced with new requirements as well. On March 26th, Biden criticized the law as a blatant attack on the Constitution and good conscience. He also labeled the law as Jim Crow in the 21st century, referring to Jim Crow laws that enforced racial segregation in the South. And when he said that, I had one thing to say. Joe, wrong party. 
Camp said in response, there's nothing Jim Crow about requiring a photo or state-issued ID to vote by absentee ballot. Every Georgia voter must already do so when voting in person. President Biden, the left, and the national media are determined to destroy the sanctity and security of the ballot box. The Biden administration is currently looking at pathways to address its concerns about the law, the new law. Biden told reporters on March 26th that the Justice Department and his administration are taking a look at the legislation. He said, we're working on that right now. We don't know quite exactly what we can do at this point. The Justice Department is taking a look as well. Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who was sued by voting rights groups on March 25th over the passage of the law, also responded to the criticism saying, there's no rational argument against requiring state ID provided for free to those who don't have a driver's license for absentee ballots. That's according to a statement sent out to media outlets. Raffensperger said he implemented a version of the identification requirement during the November 2020 election, saying that all absentee ballot requests that came through the state website were cross-referenced with a driver's license database or another record. Quote, the left said that photo ID for in-person voting would suppress votes. It didn't. Registration and turnout soared, hitting new records with each election cycle. Their cataclysmic predictions about the effects of this law are simply baseless. The next election will prove that. But I won't hold my breath waiting for the left and the media to admit they were wrong. Three voting rights groups have filed a lawsuit against Raffensperger and other officials over the new law in an attempt to block its enforcement and have it declared unconstitutional. The groups have taken issue with some of the measures to increase election integrity, arguing that identification requirements for absentee voting are, here we go, unnecessary and burdensome, and that placing absentee drop boxes inside early voting locations would unduly restrict voting. Really? So instead of walking up to one on the, on the uh, curb, you have to walk inside of a door? That is unduly restricting voting? The lawsuit also argues that prohibiting the state from distributing unsolicited absentee ballot applications and prohibiting third parties from collecting absentee ballot applications, which Republicans say could result in ballot harvesting, and it does, represents voter suppression. Wow. See, they want to send out ballot applications to everybody with a pulse. Because they know that not everybody's going to use them and that they can purloin a lot of those things and fill them out however they want to. And prohibiting third parties from collecting absentee ballot applications, we've seen instance after instance where nursing homes, the residents of nursing homes, have voted in elections and didn't know they did because somebody who works there collected up all of the absentee ballot applications that were sent out to them without them requesting them and filled them out the way they wanted to. Just last week, there was a story about how they examined uh, election elections in one state and saw that signatures in this particular election and in, from this particular one particular source where a bunch of a uh, bunch of votes were harvested, that the signatures were all different names, but un, in two different handwritings. So two people filled out the forms and signed all of these forms for a group of people using their names, but they actually signed these, these people 
these two individuals actually signed all of the all of the voting forms. This happens. It's been happening ever since they get their way and they use it to cheat. And that's exactly what they're doing. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. The lawsuit also claims banning non-poll workers from giving food or drink to voters waiting in line is a form of, of voter suppression. The, the Georgia law stipulates that individuals aren't allowed to solicit votes by distributing campaign materials or gifts or offer to give money or gifts, including food and drink in the vicinity of the polling place, including the polling line. In other words, someone campaigning for a candidate cannot stroll up and down the line saying, hey, hey, I got water here. You want anybody want cold water? Anybody want cold water? I got cold. I know it's hot out here, man. You want some cold water? That's great. Remember, vote for so-and-so. They can't do that. They can't hand out water with the stuff on the, you know, with the with their slogans like bumper stickers on the bottles and things. They can't do that. And that's been happening. Now, it also, the legislation also clearly says that should the voting place, the polling place, decide to give people water, refreshments, they can do it. The state can do it, but not outside entities. They can't. That is completely reasonable, and it is not discriminatory it is not burdensome it is not suppression former president donald trump who was highly critical of kemp and raffensperger's handling of the november 2020 election lauded the passage of the georgia law saying congratulations to georgia and the georgia state legislature on changing their voter rules and regulations they learned from the travesty of the 2020 presidential election which can never be allowed to happen again too bad these changes couldn't have been done sooner I agree. Too bad they couldn't have been done sooner. But now you know what's actually going on in Georgia. They're not suppressing the vote. They're streamlining the process. They're making it possible for people to vote. They're just clamping down on the funny business. Closing the doors which open the possibility of fraud. That's what they're doing. And of course, since they are depriving the left of the opportunities to commit fraud, the left is apoplectic and they're lying about all of it. And that's it for today. God bless you. Have a good one. We'll see you back here Wednesday for the Daily Perspective Podcast. See you then. God bless. Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.